Hey, welcome to the show tonight. I'm really excited to be here, and I hope you are too. My name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour or so. Um, I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. We're 35 strong up and down the state of California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. You can also see the updates to these shows on the radio website at www.californiahauntsradio.com. We will have this video up as well as stuff that you can go find in our archives and check it all out, plus some weird paranormal news on the site. So check us out. Anyway, we have a great guest tonight. I'm really excited. I love talking cryptids. I love talking monsters and phantoms. And Lon Strickler is an expert in all of this stuff he has nine books out on the subject and he is going to be with us tonight to talk about some of this stuff so you guys in the chat room if you want to come in and ask questions of him feel free to do it because this is the time to do it i mean there's just so much to discuss with this gentleman i can hardly wait so without further ado let's bring lon on and he can tell us a little bit about himself hello hey how you doing charlotte good how are you i'm doing fine Tell me a little bit about yourself. You have quite the array of books and stuff that you study. Yeah, well, you know, this is uh, this is actually something I've done most of my life. Um, I've been involved with the paranormal involuntarily for the most part. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I was uh, born and raised in South Central Pennsylvania, very near the uh, Gettysburg battlefield. So um, as a kid... I used to like to get on my bike and go out that way. It was just a few miles away. And uh, one summer day, I was out in the area where they call um, the uh, Valley of Death, which is between Little Round Top, the uh, Wheat Field, and Devil's Den. And, uh, you know, I'm like nine years old or so, and uh, I'm on, on my bike. And all of a sudden, I mean, you know, it was like a big TV screen opens up in front of me. And I'm hearing gunfire, yells, seeing apparitions, seeing soldiers, uh, smelling gunpowder, <clears throat> the whole nine yards. I mean, this lasted for about 30 seconds, and it just quickly went away. That's kind of when I realized uh, something was going on. Uh, you know, I, I always felt that I was somewhat different. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I didn't grow up in a haunted house or anything like that, but... I would sense things, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what they were. 
But that kind of opened it up for me that day. And afterwards, I was uh, interested. Now, mind you, this is like the uh, the uh, late 60s, early 70s when I started doing this. You know, paranormal investigating was, you know, you tell somebody you're a paranormal investigator back then, and they look at you like you're a nut. And, uh, you know, that wasn't really mainstream like it is today. Right. So, um you know, as I grew older and, and uh, went into high school, I literally started going to locations and trying to get a sense. I'm, you know, I'm intuitive. I was getting a sense of things history-wise for the most part because I went to a lot of places where there were battles and <laughs> murders and whatever. And, um, uh, you know, that's what I did. And actually, I was helping people with their, you know, hauntings that they had at home. Mm -hmm. or in a business you know this is i was still in high school yet so uh i moved to maryland right after high school and um i was living outside of baltimore and uh up to that time it was just you know spirits and hauntings and then in 1981 may of 1981 i had a bigfoot encounter and that was uh near sykesville maryland just uh just a little bit east of uh, the town on the south branch of Patapsco River. And, you know, when that happened, and, you know, this thing was pretty close to me. I got a real good look at it. Didn't really know what I was looking at. But, uh, you know, I was there fishing at a spot I'd been plenty of times, and uh, this thing showed up. And, you know, um, we made eye contact for a good 10 seconds or so, and then it just turned around and took off. Um that's kind of the day that I wanted to start learning about what I had just seen. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when the cryptid world open, opened up for me. And I've been doing that. That's 40 years now. I've been doing that ever since. So when you saw Bigfoot, was it scary? Did it, you know, did, did it scare you? I guess it did. I guess I was more shocked than anything. I didn't know what I was looking at, though. I had an idea, you know, back then. You know, that was around the time where, you know, the uh, Legend of Boggy Creek and all that came out. You know, right. people knew kind of I had an idea what Bigfoot was. Uh, the Patterson Gimlin film started going a little more mainstream than it had back in the 60s and early 70s. So I figured I had seen one. I, I figured this is what I saw. Mm -hmm. uh, it was about eight foot in height, a lot of hair, kind of matted brown. It, but honestly, it looked more like a uh, an early man in Neanderthal. It had a re real deep brow, excuse, brow ridge and uh, had like a conical head. And it was actually making a ticking sound, which I later found out was most likely it gnashing its teeth. Uh, I eventually got other reports that was close to that. Got a bit of a whiff of smell like something like fox urine. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was about it. And, you know, when I saw it, I guess uh, by the time I picked my jaw out of the water, I was <laughs> up in my car driving into town to call the police, let them know that something was out there. And, uh, you know, I when they said, well, go back. We'll have a police officer meet you. And I figured, well, I'm going to be standing there for an hour hoping this thing doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah. But by the time I got there, there was a state Maryland state police officer already there with a with a wooden um, boundary, you know, up in front of the road, blocking the road. So they were looking, I think they were, well, they were, they were looking for this thing. There had been a sighting earlier in that day down the, down the river further. And um, 
you know, for the folks that are familiar with the Baltimore, Washington area, uh, there's a lot of government facilities that we just don't know about. You know, they're, they're, you can see places, but you don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a feeling that there was something involved with this particular being. And, uh, I mean, we had feds, all the authorities around there, helicopters, the old black wagoneers they used to drive the feds. Um, they had dogs and searchers out there in the woods, and uh, they had a big white tent set up across the river. So they were looking for something. I you know, I don't know if they got anything or not, but, you know, that's kind of, I kind of got the full nine yards introduction to Bigfoot. And, um, you know, that area of Sykesville, Maryland had been known for a phenomena, the uh, Sykesville monster, which was literally a Bigfoot that had been seen there about eight years previous to that. And uh, this uh, this Bigfoot was literally going into people's homes, garages, into their chicken pens and up and down the river. So when I was able to, uh, you know, when I found out about that and asked, I knew someone who had family that had had an experience with this thing, I was given a, kind of a carte blanche to go in and talk to people. I found other witnesses that the, the media never interviewed. So, you know, that's kind of where I got the uh, cryptid bug at. Interesting. Very interesting. So it took off from there, obviously, because I, I was looking through your books and stuff that, 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 that you've written. And, oh, my gosh, you've you covered a lot of stuff over the years. Yeah, it's been a lot of opportunity. I mean, you know, when you start out, it's kind of slow. Quite frankly, until I started on the blog in uh, 2005, mm-hmm. I was collecting stories. I was collecting accounts, uh, word of mouth for the most part, you know. I had taken trips here and there and uh, especially like going down to Florida or down South and I would stop somewhere and t- somebody be the side of the road. I'd be there talking to them, writing stuff down. I did that for a lot of years. Got a lot of stories. So, you know, I had a lot of, you know, a lot of things piled up uh-huh. until eventually somebody talked me into starting a blog and that's where Phantoms and Monsters started. Well, that makes sense because when I, when I used to work with, with, with second Nancy Matz, that's what she talked about was, you know, if, if you want to start writing books, the best way to do it is to start writing a blog because then you can take everything you put in your blog and it's already there almost chaptered out. So you can yeah. just put it in a book format. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, that's primarily what I did. You know, I uh, started out with some small books. I had like a, a five book encounter series with, you know, mm-hmm. just had minor sightings for the most part. And, you know, as time went on, I started uh doing you know larger books about investigations and stuff i was involved with uh then you know that's when this whole flap you know later on in in 2017 that's when this whole chicago mothman wing humanoid flap started and um my team and i kind of fell into that uh you know i i don't know what why that happened i had an encounter in 1988 of a uh, wing, a wing being uh, had red eyes, and you know I had two other people with me, and then after that, you know that I think that shocked me more than anything. But quite honest with you, the sightings that have been recorded in Chicago and the around Chicago have very much been similar to what I encountered back there in '88. Interesting, and yeah, about the ones in Chicago, I've seen stuff on TV about it. <laughs> Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, because they're all over TV. What do you find 
so unique with them because a lot of the fo- a lot of the people that witnessed those, it was really far off for them to see. To you know, I, mean, I know I you know I know they saw what they saw, right? But it was kind of far off for people to see. How, how was it determined that that it was a, a be a, a you know a, a being? Well, you know, a lot of these things were fairly close. Uh, there okay. were a few, you know, there were some distance for some of them. Okay. Uh, but, um, you know, it was close enough to where I get a pretty good description of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was interesting because, um, there were, well, there were a lot of factors that were quite interesting. First of all, you know, when we started getting the reports in starting in uh, spring of 2017, the, the actual reports, uh, the witnesses didn't embellish on the reports. You know, when they told me something, that's, they stuck to that. Sure. Uh, I would try to get them to embellish just to see if they were trying to pull the wool or my eye, but quite frankly, they were hanging to it. And, uh, you know, they would experience some type of foreboding feeling. I wouldn't really see fear, but there were some that had some fear. They didn't know what they had seen. Uh, you know, as time went on, uh, the press started calling this thing the Chicago Mothman, so that kind mm-hmm. of stuck. Uh, I was calling it the Chicago Phantom at first, but you know, I guess that wasn't good for press, so you know, just like everything else, they started putting their own moniker onto it, and then it started taking off. Though, you know, quite frankly, and even till today, we still get a lot of sightings, and people really don't know what they're looking at, they never mm-hmm. heard of the Chicago Mothman. They, they just don't really have any idea what it is they're seeing. And then when they start searching on Google, uh, they find the team on there. Then they report it to us. Do you think that this thing could be related to Mothman? I, I think the um, I think the origin might be very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mothman, of course, is the Point Pleasant Mothman you're referring oh. to. And that, I believe, in my opinion was a summoned being. In other words, the strong indigenous spirit activity in and around the, uh, especially around the um, the uh, West Virginia Ordnance Works, what people call the TNT plant and such. Uh, it's very strong there. You know, I've been there. I've mm-hmm. sent it myself. I've heard some really amazing EVPs. I mean, amazing. Uh, seen a few things interesting. Occasionally, I'll get a, a photograph of something that can't quite tell what it is, but you know it's not indigenous. Mm-hmm. But I think this spirit literally summoned that being, that, that Mothman. And of course, you know, as time went by and John Keel started reporting it, it started becoming more known to people. Uh, you know, back in uh, in December, just before Christmas, they had the, uh, the in 67, they had the, uh, the Silver Bridge collapse, which killed 46 right. people. And, you know, of course, Mothman got drug into that as being a harbinger because somebody said they saw it before the disaster. And, you know, I, I, I don't really buy into the harbinger thing. Um, I think it was kind of convenient because, you know, a small town, 46 people die. That's a that's a big tragedy. Yes. For a small town uh, anywhere. And um, I, I think people were kind of looking for excuses. I mean, you know, you get into areas. Uh, like that in the Ohio Valley and down in West Virginia, you know, there's a lot of folklore, there's a lot of legends and things, and people, you know, they kind of make, you know, they take whatever evidence they have and go with that. And uh, I think that's a lot of what happened with the Harbinger thing. And of course, John Keel 
he kind of exasperated on it. <laughs> you know, he was writing about it then in the Mothman prophecies, of course. Right. Then, uh, then other stuff was going on with the men in black and UFO sightings. So the, the UFO sightings have been going on for quite a while. Uh, a lot of paranormal activity. Now, as far as what's going on in Chicago, uh -huh. I believe it's very close to what's happened in Point Pleasant in that respect that it came from a possibly came from another dimension. And I think that's what's going on. I think there is a rift somewhere or may, maybe many rifts in and around the Chicago area. Uh, why that's happening, we just don't know. We've looked at a lot of theories. We looked into the occult. We looked into witchcraft. We looked into all kinds of things. And um, right now, there's really no definitive answer. You know, it's just all uh, speculation. You know, the whole cryptid phenomena for for years now has you know been sitting on some speculation that. You know, maybe these beings aren't indigenous. Uh, maybe they just show up for whatever reason. Maybe they're alien or extraterrestrial. Oh, yeah. You know, that very well may be what's going on here. Uh, since October 2019, we've had a lot of sightings around in and around the O'Hare International. And, um, you know, there have been some particular areas where a lot of these, these sightings have taken place. Uh, mostly, and more recently, the... Um, on the, the western cargo areas of the airport where there is actually a, a cemetery there. Uh, oh. A lot of people don't know there's an actual cemetery on the grounds of O'Hare International. And uh, we had a report there about a year or so ago of a actual UFO that showed up, an oval UFO all lit up that hovered above the, the cemetery and a humanoid of some type ascended up into it. Uh, that was told to us by a truck, truck driver. And, you know, we get a lot of reports. And, and more recently, we had a report from July 22nd where we have four sets of witnesses now. And I just put another post up today. People are coming forward to the chagrin of the uh, uh, Chicago, I mean, to the uh, uh, O'Hara powers to be and that be and uh, supervisors of some of the carriers. They're trying to keep it quiet. They're telling people that, you know, not to report it. Uh -huh. uh, and more specifically, they're telling them not to report us because we're getting the, the vast majority of the sightings. So that's kind of where we are right now with that phenomenon. That's interesting. And my other question now, you know, with everything going on in the news, and if, you know, if you understand, do you find that the sightings um, increase when, when, when there's heavy duty stuff going on that maybe it might have an effect on it? <clears throat> I haven't really noticed that. Now, we have had some strange sightings by service people in Iraq and Afghanistan over the years. There have been some pretty bizarre sightings of some unknown beings or uh -huh. beasts and such. Um, uh, you really don't have much evidence other than hearsay or what they're telling you. But, you know, mm -hmm. most of these folks are pretty sincere about it. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, this stuff happens everywhere. I mean, you know, when you're talking cryptids, monsters, unknown beings, you know, uh, of course, here in the United States or North America, it's it's more accepted as opposed to what it used to be. And, you know, mm -hmm. in these other countries, they really don't accept it. And um, very rarely would it get out. But, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's becoming more mainstream now, too. Of course, there's, there's more cryptid uh, TV out there, paranormal TV mm -hmm. and cryptid TV. So 
Uh, I'm not always saying that's a good thing, but you know, it's out there. So people will feel a little more comfortable calling us or anybody else to report something. Now, speaking of wing creatures, what about that um, giant wing creature that people claim to see in the woods? In the woods? Well, well I mean, when they're out hiking in the mountains and, you know, well, they're seeing that big bird thing. Yeah, you're talking about the thunderbird or a large yeah. bird. Yeah. Or whatever bird that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, occasionally we'll get something like that. I have had a few of those. Uh, I live here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we get uh, quite a number of uh, large bird sightings, uh, thunderbird sightings, if you want to call them that. Mm -hmm. We also get a lot of uh, beings that are described as gargoyles or uh, even something like, you know, which um, when I had my encounter, that was here in Pennsylvania as well. This area where I'm at, uh, we've got several documentations of some type of winged being, uh, whatever you want to call it. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are certain areas that it seems to be prevalent. The um, the Rust Belt, the old Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin. That seems to be, there seem to be areas where a lot of these winged beings show up at. And uh, uh, that's kind of continued over, over time. Well, um, yeah, my, yeah. There's a question in there about the Thunderbird. Do you believe that, that there's something out there like the Thunderbird? Possible. I mean, you know, I, I try to keep an open mind on all this. You know, mm -hmm. I know what I saw. You know, and I, I, you know, when people contact me, I give them the benefit of the doubt until you know, if unless I investigate it and something else comes up and mm -hmm. it just totally disproves it. But. Um, I, uh, you know, I feel like when you get a case and you get the information, you're part of the case. So it's, it's up to you to go ahead and go forward and to get as much information you can, either good or bad. I mean, that's just the way it has to be. And, uh, but yeah, I think this possibility, you know, some of the settings that I've had reported to me, they seem to be um, uh, fairly uh, consistent uh Opposed to, you know, someone sees one here that no one's ever seen one before. But there are mm -hmm. areas where it seems to be a lot of that activity that shows up. What's one of the most interesting cases that that, that you've been on? Oh, this this Mothman Chicago stuff is in Lake, Lake uh, Michigan. This is the biggest case I've been on. Absolutely, absolutely. So what I know for people that haven't seen those shows or know about the Chicago Mothman, what does this thing look like? Well, for the most part, I mean, we've. Oh, no, frozen. Sleeping is back on. Was okay. a uh, like something that looked close to a Mothman. Um, tall being red eyes. It was in an area where you call Oz Park. Um, the wings were high. They were kind of in the on the back and up over the head. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of an insectoid-like wing. Okay. Uh, a woman was walking her dog. Uh, we were lucky enough to, because she had reported to MUFON, we were lucky enough to track her down. And, uh, you know, she was a professional. You know, she wasn't pulling wool or rise. I mean, I didn't believe so. And uh, she told us that this thing was standing there watching. Actually, she had a Jack Russell. And you know how rambunctious they are. This thing sure. cowered behind her and was scared to death. Um, it it literally, and this is another aspect of these beings. They're um they're usually pretty thin. 
uh, dark in color. Um, and more, more and more, we're getting more uh, these uh, membrane-like wings like that of a bat or a gargoyle. Uh, I'd say 95% of, of the sightings now are that. Uh, so I tend to believe that, you know, th there have been multiple beings that have come through. We've also had beings that people describe looking like an owl, or an owl man. Uh, large wings and uh, like the owl-like head. We had a few of those early, but it kind of all, you know, it kind of all manifested into this um, this tall, thin, six to seven foot tall, thin, dark in color, had legs. Sometimes your arms were attached to the wings. Sometimes they weren't, but it always had these membrane wings. Mm -hmm. uh, it had the ability to uh, ascend without flapping this wing sometime, just like there was, you know, some type of propulsion, some type of supernatural means, means of uh, a means of being able to take off. And uh, many times this thing would screech very loudly. A lot of people uh, described it as sounding like train brakes. So it was quite shrilling. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what we're getting for the most part. Interesting, interesting. I have a question about the dogman or, mm -hmm. the, or the dogman. Well, we um, we I, we have specifically been looking into the dogman phenomena here in Pennsylvania and states around Pennsylvania. Uh, we have we have had quite a few sightings and reports over the years. I think I don't know where we're at now. My partner Butch and I, I think we probably had close to thirty sightings. Uh, very terrifying sightings. Uh, though we have, you know, they haven't been any type of aggression uh but they do stand their ground they're huge i mean the uprights the ones standing are up to 10 foot in some cases they're huge animals and um a lot of time the head is like that of a dog and um or something even a wolf uh very tapered body muscular sometimes the legs look human or sometimes they're hot like that of a dog uh -huh. uh, yeah, a very well-defined animal, uh, but they stand their ground. Even even with hunters who have encountered them, uh, it's like, and you know, you've heard with Bigfoot and other creatures about sure. possible infrasound or mm -hmm. able to psychically control who, who is watching them. And I think that happens in the case of the dogman or the upright canine. They, um, if they kind of make people back off, you know, of course, if I had a gun, I wouldn't shoot it because... Who knows what this thing's going to do, you know? Right, uh, right. There have been cases where people have shot at these things, not any of my cases, where they've shot at this or even a Bigfoot, and, and it just seemed to go right through them. You know, nothing happened. Um, then there's other beings, which I consider the, the real dog, man, which is a, a quadruped, but they have some characteristics that are unlike any other canine. They kind of have that slope back like that of a... Uh, Hyena. Mm -hmm. uh, they do have a large head, many times like a large uh, German shepherd head, maybe sometimes a wolf, a very muscular body, muscular legs, and uh, very fast, supernatural fast. And uh, yeah, we've gotten a few of those as well. So uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, of course you hear all the sightings nationwide and, and up in Canada all around, but mm -hmm. you know, I have concentrated personally more on what's going on around this area. Sure, sure. Do people see them during the day? Yes. Okay. Yeah, most most of the sightings are during the day. Okay. 
Interesting. And I would think, you know, like with Sasquatch, you know, I mean, they'll see them during the day, but it's, but a lot, a lot of them are at night because this guy's out camping. And I would, you know, I thought maybe with the dogmen, it would be something at night where people are out walking or whatever, you know, and they come up on one. Interesting. They don't seem to be afraid, you know. It's just like even with this, these uh, winged humanoids, they seem to, um, they they don't have much fear. They're showing themselves for some reason. Uh, they'll come right up on somebody and uh, fly by them or turn around and come back. You know, they don't really seem to have any uh, feeling that they need to hide. Though, I mean, the, the, the uh, sightings are fleeting for the most part. They're very quick. Uh, uh, you know, to the point where we, it's difficult to get a photograph. You know, by the time mm -hmm. you're, the shock wears off and you're grabbing the phone, this thing is gone. So uh, they're quick. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the another dimension might might be involved? Because you know, like even with the Sasquatch, it's it's always a case of now you see it, now you don't. Oh, I think there's some involvement there. Um, you know, in, in the case of Sasquatch or Bigfoot, I, I do believe they're indigenous beings uh, in, in the state of the United States for the most part, you know, like the mm -hmm. uh, Pacific Northwest up into British Columbia. I, I, I believe they're real indigenous beings. Uh, and people see a lot of family groups in, when, you know, they're there as well. So I think they're breeding there. Uh, they're just like with the skunk apes down in Florida. Then there's certain species along the Gulf Coast over into Texas and such. I, I believe those are indigenous beings. But for the most part, in other areas where a lot of these sightings take place, and I'm talking about uh, the Mid-Atlantic and into the upper Midwest and along the coast of uh, the Atlantic coast, even up to Canada, I think a lot of that, I think they may very well be some type of interdimensional being, uh, you know, mm -hmm. It's usually a quick sighting. They're usually singular. They're you know like a lone a lone wolf, lone bigfoot, and uh, uh, very rarely you see a female by herself uh, or a juvenile by itself. It's usually a male uh, that is uh, on you know lone. So um, I mean, you take it for what it's worth, but I I, I think there there's something to that. Um, question from the chat room. I think it goes back to the dogman. Are most of the sightings in, in secluded areas? Not necessarily. Uh, it's been both. Uh, in Pennsylvania, it, it seems that most of the sightings are in uh, the game lands in Pennsylvania. Now, Pennsylvania has a lot of game lands. I mean, mm -hmm. it's well over 200 of them. They're not huge, but they're, uh, you know, they're protected for uh, hunters and such. But we have had a lot of sightings in there. Now, I don't know if that's because there are a lot of hunters in these game lands taking advantage mm -hmm. of it. But... Um, not necessarily, you know, being secluded. We've had people literally see these things on the side of road eating roadkill. You know, wow. several instances of that. So, yeah, they're on. You know, they're out there in a lot of different places, but um, I wouldn't say they're really secluded. Well, I was just thinking when you were talking, or we were talking about Sasquatch and that. You know, there. You think about Loch Ness too, okay? And you think about all the areas, even with Northern California going into Oregon how much acreage there is, how many wood, you know, how, how many trees there are where, where some, where there could be a colony of things living out there. And we wouldn't even know about it. Just like with Absolutely. Loch Ness, there's so many water, you know, bodies of water out there. Yeah. There's enough wilderness in this country, in this world 
to harbor a, a lot of different things. You know, you talk about the oceans being so deep and cover so much of the earth. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. We definitely have no idea what's there. But I, I think that kind of applies to a lot of the areas, uh, like in Canada, the United States, just particular, mm -hmm. um, you know, just like Pennsylvania. I saw somewhere where uh, 40 percent, 47 percent of the state is forested. See? Yeah. yeah. And it's a heavy agriculture area as well. So, and there's cities and such. So, you know, that's a lot of territory. And, you know, there are areas within that this state and a lot of other states that, you know, you very rarely see people. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, if something wants to hide, it's going to hide. Oh, absolutely. You know? I yeah. mean, because there's just so many areas that, that, that they can hide in and nobody would know. There's caves, you know, whatever else is out there. Mm hmm. So, I yeah. mean, the possibilities are endless as to what is out there. Absolutely. What is one of the... I, I know you're investigating uh, the Mothman stuff right now, Chicago. Which one out of all the creatures do you find the most intimidating? Uh, the, the upright canines. Absolutely. You know, because it's, um, it's not a new phenomenon. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got records of these things going back hundreds of years uh like when uh, some when people from the old world came over here and uh, a lot of the german farmers and such uh they kind of brought the lore back with them did they bring the mm -hmm. thing with them who knows are these some type of thought form manifestations are just something that you know you know that it, there's lots of documentation of these sightings and um uh but you know Quite honest with you, the size that people report these things—it's—it's it's something I don't want to run into. Quite frankly, mm -hmm. you know, we go out there and do an investigation, but you know, we're out there looking for evidence. We're not necessarily going out there to have an encounter on one of these things. Uh, maybe we'll put a, a, a camera trap out, get lucky, and maybe something will show up. Maybe we'll find a body. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to run into one of them. Have you found any evidence, though, you know, what you think might be evidence? Yeah, you know, you find, a, you know, as far as Bigfoot goes, there's a lot of hair samples, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been privy to a lot of this, these uh, uh, genome studies and some of the DNA studies and such and a lot of different places as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're I think we're getting there. We're not anywhere near right now, but as technology continues to increase, um, I, I think we're going to get start getting more and more information. You know, I've said for a long time that quantum computing is going to really open up a lot of the paranormal uh, uh, secrets because when this when quantum computing becomes more of a mainstream thing, people start being able to afford these things and start messing around they're going to start finding out a few things that we don't know now i'm afraid good or bad i mean uh, you know there are a lot of theories about the um uh these particle accelerators possibly being able to open up rifts between dimensions uh you know it's been suggested that the uh, that the particle accelerator out at um fermi labs in cook county Though it's supposedly shut down, there still seems to be a lot of activity out there. And in fact, they they have been reporting the past year or so some uh, new uh, equipment going in there and they've been testing things. 
<laughs> so are, is something going on there that's contributing to what's going on in Chicago? Who knows? It may very well. But, you know, like again, like I said again, it's all speculation to this point. Is it going to be some type of meta metaphysical evidence that's going to come forth? Uh, you know, we've got people uh, who do that. And, uh, you know, we're working on that now. What happens when you get a call for a report? Well, it just depends on the report. Okay. <laughs> you know, if it's something, if it's something I can go to, I'll go to it. Uh, but I got a pretty big team. Uh, the Fams and Monsters Fortune Research team is, is quite extensive at this point. We've got over twenty members, oh. uh, boots on the ground all over the country. Uh, we've got fifteen affiliate groups who can handle. Uh, handle a call if I can't get one of my people to go out there. But overall, we cover a lot. And uh, I kind of leave it up to them to do what they want to do. And, uh, you know, they're all they're all seasoned investigators. They've been around this for a long time. Uh, we don't just, you know, go into cryptids. We're all, all facets of the paranormal, uh, even hauntings. And, uh, you know, I seem to end up handling the local hauntings and uh, uh -huh. believe me there's a lot of them around here i mean i moved back up to pennsylvania back in 2016 after spending 40 years down in maryland and within the first two and a half years i had 26 cases in this town alone so you know i don't know if it's because of its proximity with uh, with gettysburg but it there's a lot of history here and uh you know it tends to um it, it, it tends to show itself at some occasions. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had actual <laughs> activity in like just certain blocks of the town well, where it seems like the same activity is happening to a lot of homes. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been pretty busy, but like I said, when we do have something, uh, at, in some other areas and look, I can, I have a lot of people or associates I can contact, uh, that, you know, if you know for information or some, you know, get on a point of view from them, I've been lucky mm -hmm. enough to be able to do that. And uh, that's what we do. Well, I'm definitely jealous of you guys out that way because California, you know, stuff old to us is eight, is like 1800s. Yeah. You know, you guys get all the real old, old stuff. And I mean, it must, it must be really fun. Fun <laughs> as an investigator to go out and, and look into all that, just like Gettysburg and places like that. So I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you guys. Well, we're just lucky. I mean, this is, you know, the history of this country, for the most part, happened and documented here in this part, you know, in the eastern part of the United States. Mm -hmm. But uh, there, there's a lot of indigenous activity around here. Well, it was as well as out your way. But mm -hmm. there's, um, it for whatever reason, you know, and for whatever means, I you know, it, it does seem to pervade in the land. It's kind of, you know, kind of, residual itself here mm -hmm. uh, we get some interesting calls sometimes and you know when we um you know when we do we'll go out and you know, i'll grab one of my guys here in pennsylvania and we'll go and uh you know i got several people working here in this state and uh, so you know we're just a phone call away absolutely um just here's a question does lon believe that the veil is thinning oh it's thin yeah, it's thinning, it's opening up, it's rifts, you know. Uh, I, I believe that it has been thinning for a long time. I, and when I say a long time, I'm saying 25 to 20 years. 
Uh, it seems like the reports are coming in more frequently. The quality of the reports are better. They're the, the beings that are being seen and reported are not your standard fare. Um, yeah, there, there's, I believe there is energy or some type of flesh and blood beings that are able to get through. And um, I think there's a lot of evidence to, to back that up. It's just a matter of being able to find the proof, uh, you know, that's what we do, and, uh, you know, that's what we strive for. Now, you wrote a book about aliens as well. Yeah, I did. Uh, the Alien Disclosure, uh, Experiencers Exposed Reality. And this was a um, this was a book that uh, was a cumulation of all of cases as such I've worked for, worked on for, oh, God, 30-plus years anyway. But... Um, yeah, some people I've been working with, some cases that people have contacted me were, you know, it wasn't always good. It wasn't, you know, you, I didn't sugarcoat what was in there. I mean, mm -hmm. I uh, I put in what actually happened, what I observed, you know, some of my thoughts of what may have happened. But there's quite a quite a different, uh, uh, a lot of categories of different type of beings, just like. Uh, just like men in black, I, I believe they may possibly be extraterrestrial. I had no real proof of that, but I, I talked about lots of different phenomena that may very well be extraterrestrial. So, uh, mm -hmm. of course, you know, we, we talked, you know, I talked about abductions, abduction cases. I've been involved with uh, particular uh, encounter cases. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of stuff I accumulated over the years and, uh, you know. I decided it was time to put it in a book, so that's what I did. I have a question. Do you think, this is my question, do you think that some of the things that we are investigating might be might be alien-related? No, I think a lot of it is. Yeah, in, in fact, I, I think there may be a correlation between a lot of the cryptid phenomena, even hauntings and such, that may very well be mm -hmm. uh, extraterrestrial. Um. Then again, that could be the other way around, too. I mean, you know, I think there are some connections. Uh, you know, for years and years, many of us thought that there might be a Bigfoot UFO connection of mm -hmm. some type because people have seen the phenomena around the same time. Or, you know, when we go into a, you know, investigate a Bigfoot sighting, even a few days later, we'll see orbs or we'll see small lights and such. And, uh, is it related to extraterrestrials? Is it related to some type of uh, spirit energy? We don't know. Um, it and that be, it's becoming more prevalent as time has gone on. Uh, I, I think the usual Bigfoot Sasquatch investigator of 20, 25, 30 years ago is becoming a little more open minded about the whole phenomena. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we haven't found a body. We have real no, no real proof that these beings exist other than what's been on film, though some of it is pretty compelling. Mm -hmm. uh, witness statements like mine or somebody else. Uh, yeah, we believe they're out there. Uh, I can only say it. I know they're out there, but, you know, that that's going to go so far. But until we get the actual uh flesh and blood evidence or a body or something to that effect. I don't, I don't know that there's going to be too many satisfied people. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a type of uh, 
thing that's not going to go moot. I mean, people are going to continue to investigate these unexplained, this unexplained phenomena, regardless of what actually happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I've noticed that's why I've been wondering about the whole alien, you know, connection with like even paranormal investigating because some of these reports of experiencers after they've come back, you know, and 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 they have the they, they have the repeated sightings in their homes where these aliens are able to walk through walls. Just mm-hmm. like just like the ghosts we see, you know, uh, well, you know that people report. Um, some of our like you, like some of those EVPs we even get. I mean, some of them sound mechanical, you know, and some of them sound so far away that it, it could be, you know. Well, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, you know, the um, <clears throat> the alien phenomena, extraterrestrial phenomena. I don't like really saying alien. Uh, that's good to sell books, but it's really yes. extraterrestrial or multi-terrestrial being. Um, it has kind of evolved over time. Uh, earlier on, you would hear, let's say, like Betty and Barney Hill or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, I kind of, I kind of uh, cut my teeth with the Betty and Barney Hill thing because that was you know, I was young. I heard about it, and you know that really piqued my interest, but. You know, they were abducted onto a craft. They had experiments done to them. They had a lifetime of strange activity. Um, Travis Walton, take supposedly abducted onto a craft, uh, had experiments done, this and that. Then it kind of evolved into more of, and uh, what I believe is that they that these beings are taking samples even embryos even Mm -hmm. children and such uh to raise to maybe strengthen their their uh dna because quite frankly my theory is that these grays and other other humanoid type of aliens Mm -hmm. are literally uh evolved humans and when i say that i i believe humans are and, and the universal type of species. Uh, I think there are a lot of different uh, forms of humans that have evolved or had manipulated some type of DNA or structure and stuff. And um, I think a lot of what I think they, they like to check up on us for that, uh, gather samples and such. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of that still goes on. Maybe not as much as you used to. I've talked to people who have had, I literally had a, a woman who, um, who was in her mid, mid twenties. And by the time she reached that age, she had six lost, uh, pregnancies right around wow. the end of the thir- first trimester. And she, and she, uh, she literally knew to me and said to me that she was abducted and they were taken, uh, you know, and I've had a few of those. I've literally had a few people, few women telling me this. And uh, if it's true, then, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about people who have been uh, taken onto a craft or taken to a location and they're shown a child. They could tell it wasn't fully human and possibly a Mm -hmm. hybrid, but they knew it was related to them. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, but, you know, more recently, and like I said, there's an, there seems to be an involvement as far as the alien abduction uh, phenomena is that I think a lot of these, <clears throat> these extraterrestrials have formed factions. 
over time. And when I say form factions, I think they do it for a lot of different reasons. But when there is an abduction scenario or there is an encounter at a location, there are usually four, five, six different types of beings there at the abduction. And many times there are humans there. It's, it's like there are actual humans who are not mixed with any type of extraterrestrial who are involved with this. So we're seeing a lot more of that now. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, people who who go through this and, you know, they, they are kind of bewildered as to why they're being abducted. And these are all humans that are doing it to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then, then eventually, you know, these other beings will show up. So, uh, yeah, there seems to be a lot of cooperation. And there seems to be a lot of human cooperation as well. Do you think that because obviously they're trying to either take take our DNA or other stuff? Do you think that maybe these humans that people are seeing aren't really humans? That they could be the product of 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 the experiments, right. the ones that have gone correctly? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Um, like I said before, I think even the grays or the mm-hmm. different the different variations of grays possibly even reptilian type beings or something to that effect. Uh, I, I think there's a very good possibility that these are evolved humans that have found a way to travel back in time and to show themselves to us. Are they here to help us not destroy ourselves or to, mm-hmm. to smooth over things that they screwed up when they were here? Are they trying to change history? I, I think there's a good possibility of that. And, um, yeah, that's why I think human, the human species is literally a, uh, a, a, a universal species that is seen in a lot of different places. I want to take a trip back with you to Gettysburg because that fascinates me because I've had other people tell me that they've been out there at night, you know, walking around or even during the day and, and they're able to hear these, these, these noises. Do you think it's a Permanent, you know, permanent imprint on time. You know, and you just have to hit the, you know, hit that right moment to go through. <clears throat> yeah, what most of what people see are residual, and okay. um, you know, recently there was this sighting of this supposed Confederate soldier around a uh, a cannon battery. Well, I knew where that was. I know exactly where that right. was. I've seen it several times myself. Uh, it's residual energy. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of those in the. Um, now, there are some places off the battlefield uh, where, you know, a lot of this stuff is seen at night because you're allowed on the battlefield. They won't let you mm-hmm. on the battlefield now at night. Okay. So, uh, you know, though I used to sneak on it when I was a kid and camped out, but, you know, uh, I used to take my buddies, kind of try to impress them at night, and, you know, they'd see something, and then they'd have something to talk about the next Monday morning in school. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, I, I'd say most of what people see is imprinted or some type of residual energy. And it, look, you know, for people who are sensitive, it, it it's kind of tough to be out there sometimes because it um, it can wear on you. It wears on me. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, the area where I go to every time I go to the battlefield, and that's several times a year, is the area around the uh, 20th Main Monument where, you know, where the uh, on the second day of the battle. Very strong area, very, very well imprinted. Uh, even the whole way down 
the hill over across into uh, Big Round Top and down into the Devil's Den. It's very heavily imprinted. Uh, that second day energy is palpable in most parts of the battlefield for whatever reason. You know, there was death every day there, but they see, it seems to be strong there. Uh, I've been to all over that battlefield, but that's the area that draws me the most. So, but yeah, when people get these photographs of uh, these specters or phantoms, it's usually something that's uh, residual, kind of runs on a loop. I've seen several of these things where it kind of runs on a loop uh, where the, you know, so people see it. You know, I've talked to Rangers a lot out there. And it's funny because they, they tell me, you know, people will come up to them uh, and say, I didn't know you had a reenactment going on today. Oh. But we don't. And they saw, they saw a platoon or something out there marching. <laughs> so they, they, they wanted to, you know, they thought it was so realistic, uh, you know, those, you know, but they didn't know they had, they were having some type of reenactment. And, and in fact, they saw these uh, residual energy. That's interesting because one of the spookier stories about um, Gettysburg, I don't know if it's a pretty popular story, so you might have seen it, is the woman, because they, they, they were doing re, uh, reenactments, and this woman had a pickup truck, and she was making a little money driving the reenactors back to town and back and forth. And so she did her last drop-off. Mm -hmm. And as she's driving, she notices there's some guys in the back of her pickup truck. Happens all the time. I tell you, I've talked to several reenactors who, you know, they bivouac out there. They stay out there for a couple of nights and, you know, days. Mm -hmm. And they have literally had uh, manifestations in their tents. They'd wake up and some, something sleeping there, you know, until they realize it's not another person. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they'd be out in the middle of the night, they'd be out at nighttime by the fire and out there doing whatever they do, talking, you know, and, uh, they see something, a specter just walking right between the, you know, the tents and all, uh, yet happens a lot. I have heard all kinds of crazy stories, but, uh, uh, it's pretty believable. And quite frankly, with all the things that happen out there, the amount of death mm -hmm. and destruction that occurred at Gettysburg, it doesn't surprise me, you know? Antietam is another battlefield, which is just south of in Maryland, in, in Sharpsburg. Another example of a lot of imprint. People see a lot of strange things out there as well. And there's a lot of other phenomena that happens out there. Also, uh, why that happens, I don't know. But there seems to be a lot of um, a lot of orb activity in, in some of those places. Uh, it seems to be like lost spirits are trying to find their way. But, uh, yeah, you know, these battlefields are... Especially the bigger ones are definitely have an imprint. Lots of emotion there. Lots of mm -hmm. emotion. Lots of emotion. I wanted to ask you uh, before we, we end today about the chubacabra. Mm. Well, <clears throat> people swear by it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's mostly something that people started seeing and reporting in in Puerto Rico and maybe a few other Hispanic countries. As far as what people are seeing here in the United States, uh, these hairless dogs or what they call blue dogs, uh, the, the, the overall thought is that these are a mix of uh, Mexican wolves and, and coyotes. Uh, now, why they have that mangy look to them, many of them have no hair on them at all. They're kind of bizarre mm -hmm. looking. They got some pretty good size canines on them. Um, 
you know, I've, I've seen several people shot these things. It's where they, they had a chupacabra. Well, I mean, it's not even near to what people have reported in, in, down into Mexico. And, you know, this has been pretty heavily investigated by several researchers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think the chupacabra in itself, especially the ones that have been seen in, in Puerto Rico, because Puerto Rico has a lot of alien act, a lot of extraterrestrial mm-hmm. activity. And um, I have documented landings in some of these rainforests as well. And a lot of times when people have had this experience, uh, these things show up. And they're they're not dogs. I mean, they, they're kind of the weirdest looking thing with big red eyes and spikes up and down their back, uh, snarling and carrying on and just scaring the living daylights out of the people in the village or such. So. Yeah, that, that's kind of where it started at. It, I, I don't know why people think it's here in this, the, you know, mostly in Texas and some right. of the Midwest, but I don't believe that's what it is. Well, I've seen pictures of some of the ones that, you know, that people have found. And to me, they, they just look like a sick dog, you know, mm-hmm. just just bigger sick dog that has maybe mange or something's going on with it. So, I, yeah, I just find it interesting because, like you say, what the people in Mexico and in South America describe as a chupacabra is completely different from what people oh, yeah. are picking up here. I just think if they see something strange like that, or even a coyote with you know with mange problems or skin problems, right away it, it, it's too, you know it's a chupacabra. Well, it's a cultural thing for a lot for the most part. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Hispanic folks kind of you know they kind of believe that's what this thing is. It's a, a, what they call a goat sucker, or it goes in. Right. And, and, you know, kills chickens by sucking the blood out of it or a goat and sucks the blood out of it. Yeah, okay, it may be something like that. It may even be extraterrestrial, but what people are seeing in the United States isn't you know, anything close to what that is. Absolutely. Where can people contact you? Well, you can go to phantomsandmonsters.com, and uh, I've got my phone number there, my email. You just click on the button, and it'll take you there. We publish every day. Anything unusual comes up, I have it up there. Um, also, you can go to cryptidhunters.org, and uh, that's the team website. Uh, any investigations, especially the uh, the uh, Chicago investigations, are listed there as well. I have a radio show, Arcane Radio, which is okay. live every Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern on Beyond Explanation YouTube channel. Well, I'll be and, checking uh, that out for sure, I'll tell you. I mean, I could sit here all night and just pick your head. You know, pick your head. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's a weird sight in your head. Um, pick your brain because, man, you, you're just so fascinated with with all the studies you've done and, and you know, and all, and all the all the books you've written. And I, I was at, actually on your blog looking at stuff, you know, and seeing what you have on there. I mean, it's just so so interesting to me. With well, that I appreciate stuff. that. I just think it's so fascinating. You know, I just really do. One more question for me is that, do you think, and I know this is probably far-stretching, you know, there's that big thing about the the missing 911 people. Mm-hmm. Missing 411, th- yeah. Four, sorry, 411. God, my mind is like jello. Thank you. Missing 411. Do you think any of that could be related to, to alien encounters? I think it could be. I think it could be related to a lot of different things. Um. Just the fact that these things are so quick a lot of times, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's any type of, I I think some cases it may be a Bigfoot or 
some other type of being. But as far as something, someone going into a portal, which I believe they are out there. I mean, you know, I, I believe people can get caught up into a uh, a uh, some type of opening between time and space and just get lost. Uh, or is this caused by extraterrestrials? Possibly. Is this something else? Eh? That possible as well. It's something we don't know about. But, uh, you know, I don't believe it's impossible. Uh, people are definitely being going missing. Mm-hmm. The number of people that go missing in, in this country alone is astounding. Uh, and the number that don't come back is even more scary. So um, the fact that a lot of this is going on in state parks, national parks and such is uh, it's kind of uh, intriguing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but I, I, I think it's entirely possible. Absolutely. And give us a list of your books. You've got nine books, right? Well, there are three in print right now. The, the, okay. the first five, the Encounter series, is actually being compiled into one book. Okay. And my, I have a new publisher, uh, Beyond the Free Publishing, which is going to uh, put that together. But my, my other books are The Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Wing Humanoids, Alien Disclosure, Experiencers, Exposed Reality, and my newest book is Wing Cryptids, um, Monsters, Humanoids, and Anomalous Creatures. And that's a case book. And it's, it's all cases that I've worked on and been involved with. And I am working on another one, another book about the, uh, the humanoid crawler, walker Whoa. phenomena that people are seeing more and more of now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm it's a it's work in progress but i'm i'm getting there absolutely i noticed that because i was over on amazon i noticed that a lot of those are available in in audiobook right not mine not no i don't have any audiobook right now though i have a i have someone close to me who's trying to talk me into doing it but uh uh, we'll have to wait and see okay anyway my bad anyway i apologize (laughs) (laughs) it's just been one of those days Anyway, I appreciate you coming on. I would love to have you on again at some point to talk Absolutely. some more. Because this was just uh, fascinating. I, like I said, I, I could just go for hours talking to you about this stuff. But I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I hope everybody else did too. And I hope you have a good evening, sir. Thank you. Have you a good too. one. Mm-hmm. All right. What a great show that was. What a great show. I'm really excited. Hopefully he will come back and talk to us. Tomorrow is going to be a different kind of show. Bruce Oliver Solheim is going to be on tomorrow. And he is a medium, a psychic medium who, through his abilities, has contacted an ancient, what he says is an ancient alien, who he gets advice from and who he asks questions to about past, future, and current events. So it's going to be interesting to talk with him. And if you like the show, PayPal me at California Haunts. We are a nonprofit team, and all the costs for the show come out of pocket. But I would like you guys, you know, if, if you can. I know, it's, I know money's tight now for people, but it'd be great to try and keep this thing on the air to help me out a little bit, too, is paypal.me at California Haunts. Go to our YouTube page, California. Just Google in California Haunts YouTube, and it should come up for you. And become a subscriber. We're looking for more subscribers on our YouTube page. And if you like the show, share it with five people. 
If you didn't like the show, share it with five people or share it with your enemies to get even with them. I don't know. But just, you know, get our name out there. And uh, I'd really appreciate it. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow at 630 so we can talk to Bruce about his alien friend. And I really appreciate you all coming by tonight and spending an hour with, with Lon and I. And uh, have a great evening, you guys.